0: Welcome to NodeUp. Or for the purposes of this episode, this is IOJS Up, I guess. I'm Michael Rogers. We've got Isaac Schluter and Chris Dickinson. I'm just guys say hello. Hey, how's it going? Hello. Today's show is sponsored by Andyet, CodeShip, and Lyft Security. So we'll we'll get more into them later. I'm Michael Rogers. I, I run NodeConf and I wrote request. And I'm just an old guy, I guess. I've been around a while. Isaac Schluter is the creator of NPM. So that's, that's a thing people use. And is the former project lead. Say hi, Isaac,
1: I, right now so that they know what you sound like. I'm Isaac. I, I think also you were talking about you being an old guy. I'm, I'm pretty sure as far as Node people go, I'm currently, <laughs> like now that Felix, once Felix left, I think I'm actually the longest current <laughs> member of the Node community. I think that's probably accurate, yeah. yeah. Ryan I mean, and um, Felix were like the last, the last holdouts that, were, that came in before I did.
0: Didn't Chris Kowal get in around the time that you did too, though?
1: Like, kind of tangentially? He came in a little bit later, actually. He was kind of... I don't want to put thoughts in his head or anything, but he was still very much focused on Narwhal and CommonJS while I was switching teams. I guess you are. You are the oldest now. You have that distinction.
0: (laughs) And then Chris Dickinson, who is a a core contributor and gets paid by Walmart Labs to work full-time, and he does awesome stuff with streams. Uh, Say hi, Chris.
2: Hey, how's it going? This is what I sound like. All
0: right. Okay, today's show is sponsored by AndYet. So starting today, AndYet's WebRTC experts will be offering three new consulting packages to teams in need or want of serious development boost. So they're doing all kinds of like new, amazing consulting around WebRTC and peer-to-peer technologies. And also they they are just the nicest group of people in the whole world. Like you, you talk to people that work at NDA and they're just, they're so happy to work there and to be part of this amazing team. And they do really awesome kind of creative stuff. They're looking to help your team ship something epic and innovative uh, in the WebRTC space. So whether you're looking for Help with you know new video or chat features, or you want a platform that you can run your own hardware using open source components, or you want to build like some killer custom user interface on top of what you're already building. They have great people to work with. For more information, just head over to andyet.com/webrtc, and you can also follow them on Twitter at, at yet All right, so let's
2: let's get into this. Chris, why don't you why don't you tell us what iojs is? So, IOJS is actually the same, it's from the same core team as Node.js. It's coming out of the Node Forward efforts, working towards exploring community governance for the Node project. There's more information on Up 75 Some of it was kind of covered there. And I, I think it was eventually Fyodor that open sourced the Node Forward project as IOJS. After some back and forth on the naming, we went with the one with the most vowels. That's kind of where that's coming from. It was kind of a table flip
0: moment by fyodor. He was just like i'm I'm sick of landing patches in in <laughs> in this private thing and waiting on other people. I'm just going to set up this thing and land my patches there and and he I don't even think he explicitly said like like even asked other people to come on board. It was just like,
1: oh, Fyodor's putting patches there now. I guess everybody else is now too <laughs> well it was it it happened over Thanksgiving break as well, which you know for for everybody outside of the u s is it's not a holiday. It's just like this mysterious week when the United States shuts down for no good reason. And so Fudo was sitting there saying, like, "This is silly. We're we're only not open sourcing it because of some like you know stupid issue with American copyright law that says that like you know basically Joint has to either sue us or lose their copy lose their uh, their trademark, excuse me, trademark law. So he's like, well, oh, it's it's just because of the name. I'll just put a new name on it. Okay, there you go. Done. And it Im- immediately, you know, got a bunch of attention, showed up on Hacker News. Nobody was consulted. He reached out to a bunch of people on IRC, actually, but we were all busy, you know, stuffing our faces and stuff. It was kind of uh, interesting timing and, and a little bit of a table flip moment. But I think it was it was not intended as a political move. It was strictly like a matter of convenience, right? Like, this is a pain in the ass to be landing patches that nobody could see and like we keep having you know keep people keep requesting to have access to this repo and then we always just give them access to it so it's not even like it's all that private it was just a matter of like making things easier and then the community kind of erupted in like you know riotous cheers over it
2: yeah and it it definitely helped Uh, i think the tweet that went out was something along the lines of this this
1: thanksgiving i'm thankful for iojs so i think that kind (laughs) of like circled the globe pretty quickly yeah and then there was the, um, you know, the logo threads and, and a bunch of reporters got really excited about it because I think they sort of like had been sniffing around Node Forward and, and joint and they kind of knew that there was like some story there somewhere. They just didn't know what it was exactly. And then when IOJS came out, they're like, ah, you've been planning a fork all along. Now we know. And nobody was available for comment, which just made it even more mysterious. And then when we did all, you know, come back on Monday, it was like, well, we didn't really think to plan a statement or anything like an explanation of it so we kind of had to make everybody wait and they got even more testy about it and joint got kind of nervous like what are you guys doing are you trying to like make us look bad or whatever and I think it's sort of starting to settle down I think more and more people are kind of getting the the impression that this is just kind of like a way to sort of iterate and experiment with some new ways of running the project and my hope at least and what I'm you know, definitely trying to guide things towards is having joint node adopt the kinds of changes that we want to see and that we're we're playing with in IOJS, and then that will make it easy for IOJS to kind of fold back into the kind of core original node project. And once we do that, you know, that's what everybody really wants, right? Like we don't want to rebrand as, as fun and exciting and rebellious and, and like emotionally satisfying as a fork is it's actually kind of a huge pain there's millions and millions of node users who don't follow this crap and like you know they just know node is the server side js thing and like if you have to tell them there's iojs or they're confused and we could do a million of these podcasts and it would still just be a confusing distraction for the good of iojs i i think my my plan and what i i think is kind of the plan of most of the core team i chris definitely correct me if you think i'm wrong is is that IOJS is kind of intended as this somewhat temporary experiment. If all goes according to plan, it will be not a long-lived fork.
0: Yep. Well, I think, you know, like one of the reasons why it started was just, you know, we were we've been working with Joint for a while to try and get them to adopt this kind of stuff. It hasn't gone as quickly as anybody wanted it to. I don't think that anybody is is it coming permanent. Right? But also, I wouldn't I wouldn't describe it as temporary, just because, like, nothing is being set up inside of the IOJS project that isn't being set up to be long-lived. It's just, it may be long-lived and called something else at some point, right?
1: Well, it should be, hopefully, it'll be called Node at some point. Right, right that's, exactly. That's the that's the ultimate plan. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, we we don't have control over, like, Dwayne's board of directors, so
0: I, I don't want to, like, make any promises, like, you know, this, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this or that's going to happen, right? If they don't decide to to you know adopt this kind of model, then you know it can live on definitely as IOJS. So,
1: yep, that is definitely definitely an option.
0: So I'll talk a little bit about some of the differences. So right now there's no there's no owner. It's owned by the contributors, like you know Linux and, and Git follow this kind of model where it's just all the contributors sort of share ownership of their work. There isn't like a foundation or, or a company that, that owns anything at this point. The governance model is a technical committee that is consensus-seeking. There are weekly meetings right now on Google Hangouts, and, and those are broadcast on air. So you can watch them live and then they show up in a YouTube channel all together, which is really cool. There's a, a much more liberal contribution policy where we're, we're trying to add people who make significant contributions as collaborators much more often. And there's not this sort of strict tying of you know a role in in the TC and the governance to like a, a commit bit basically. Although uh, you know most of the people in the TC have commit bits anyway. And you know we've taken we've been taking newer versions of v8 for a while, but Fyodor just just put in like the newest newest one. And I think that the, the big thing as we're nearing our first release is that we're, we're ditching that old versioning scheme and we're going to Semver. So uh, we'll start Ooh. with 1.0.0 0. 0, and it'll be proper Semver and we're not going to dick around with this even odd thing anymore.
1: You, <laughs> wait, Michael, you say Semver? Semver? Yeah. Yeah,
0: Sem- I, would Semver. Say, I, I say Semver.
1: I mean, I that's probably how it's
0: pro- supposed to be pronounced being that it stands for version, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't it just know. seems well, I mean, more I,
0: phonetic to say Semver.
1: I don't it probably is, but I, I don't know that I've ever actually talked about versions with you in person. You know, it's it's always been on like you know, We just aren't we just aren't yeah, we aren't stuff. that
0: passionate about it in person. Yeah, no, we, don't, we, no. we
1: don't we don't get drinks and talk about version numbers. <laughs> well we disagree, so it's boring, right? It's only interesting to talk about with people who disagree. So the there was actually a really interesting discussion, speaking of versions, at the last TC meeting where we were talking about, you know, do we want to release You release something that's 1.0 and people say, oh, this means it's done and stable and good and I can, you know, run my rocket ship on it and probably nobody will die. But that's not actually, like, it's not quite stable. It's definitely very, there's a lot of, like, experimental stuff in there, even though it's mostly stuff that's been, I guess the most experimental stuff is really just the V8 upgrades and uh, a few other little things. But the decision I I think we kind of came to was, like, let's not release 1.0.0-beta.1 or any you know any weird stuff like that let's do just like 100 you know 100 that's the beta like deal with it and maybe 1.0.1 is the second beta and maybe 1.0.2 is the rc and maybe 1.0.3 is the rc2 and like like is actually great because each patch just communicates what you changed the version number describes what you changed and like we're just going to stick with that and use that as our mechanism and then use kind of side means like the website and the release notes to communicate how stable it is. I think that's actually a much better model, even though it feels a little more scary kind of going into it to call something, you know, not like, to, to kind of not have like a dash beta or dash RC on the version number. But in practice, what happens is when you do have a dash beta or dash RC is like, it just means don't install this. Nobody installs it, so it never actually gets any better, and there's no point. Like, Why not just not release it then, if that's what you're going to do? So hopefully this will trick some people into using it, and you know, then they'll tell us what's wrong with it.
2: One thing that you touched on there, too, that is sort of different, the TC meetings are actually up on YouTube, and they're a uh, public hangout. So if you're part of the community, you can actually watch these things go on, and you can kind of track that through the issue tracker on IOJS to see when they're coming
1: up. Unlike some podcasts, including this one, watching a meeting, I don't know. I've, I've tried to listen to some of those TC meetings. I don't know how anybody does it. They are so boring. <laughs> it's like, you know, so procedural and just like, uh, when you're actually in them, it's not so bad. It's like, it's like a reasonable conversation because like the silences are times when you're actually thinking about stuff. You can listen to them. They are open. Don't get mad at us if they're not exciting. People do listen to them. I keep bumping into
0: people at like meetups and stuff that do really do listen to them. I mean, like w- when I haven't been able to be in them, like I just look at Rod's notes usually and, and there are T C notes that get added like to the, the project. They're like in Markdown. They're checked into like a folder in Git. So, you know, that's a much easier way to figure out what happened than to listen to the whole like hour long
1: thing. And it's, it's hard to have a really good flow. Like, you know, we'll, we'll tend to get like, like in a podcast or something, you probably have an agenda and you want to go like bullet by bullet, but in a meeting as, as hard as you try, eventually there's going to be one tiny little bit of minutia that everybody feels passionately about. And we'll talk about that for like 20 minutes, you know, and like five minutes into it, if you're listening, you're probably like, okay, okay, move on. I bet probably listening to it at like double speed would be, would be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably a good plan. All right, I'm gonna talk a little bit about Codeship. So Codeship
0: is a free hosted continuous delivery service focused on simplicity and usability. So you can set up continuous integration in just a few steps and automatically deploy when all your tests are passed. Codeship has great support for a lot of languages and test frameworks. It integrates with GitHub and Bitbucket, It lets you deploy to cloud services like Heroku and AWS and Modulus and Nojitsu. Codeship makes continuous delivery so simple, setup only takes a minute. You can sign up now to get 100 builds a month and five uh, private projects for free. I mean, that that should allow startups and freelancers and small teams to get started real nice. And then from there, you know you can pay people money who provide good software. For anyone that needs uh, more builds and projects, you can use the discount code NODUP to get 20% off of any of the plans for three months when signing up for a paid subscription. So head over to codeship.com/nodeup slash to get started, and also be sure to follow them on Twitter as well at codeship. All right, so part two. Part two is get involved. Places to get involved with things. Node forward is still going on, and Node forward is still sort of tackling a lot of the the broader kind of Node community stuff. But we did move over some of the resources that were closer to core. So the roadmap repo, where we're trying to get and collect feedback from people in the community what their biggest pain points with Node are and what they'd like to see in in next release. Let's move over to IOJS. And we also moved over Build because the Build system is, is being built out for core. So if you want to get involved in the Build system, it's IOJS slash Build now. There's also this awesome logo thread. Have you guys been keeping up with the logo thread?
1: Yeah, it's awesome. I have, yeah, I have been keeping up with the logo thread. I What I love about it is that as much as people keep asking us to like, you know, when is there going to be an official logo? Or I vote on this one. They're, that one's better. Like, there will never be an official logo. That's, there's, they're all official. We love them all. Buy all of the, the Teespring t shirts, wear the logo that you love the most, and they'll all be collector's items. Did, so the, like, it's a thread where Substacks was
0: like, hey, who has ideas for, for logos? And then everyone just started posting all these amazing images. Yeah. Eventually, like, some of the, the, Guys who like Nodebots, uh, London, they put together a little website that actually pulls all of the images out of the the thread and just displays them and has like kind of a running tally. So that's at tableflip.io colon one two three four. So it's actually on port one two three four on like this server, but it's it's amazing. I mean, I think the last count is there's three hundred and fifty five logos, but. I mean, some of them are just, like, really simple little, like, dopey things. And then there was this company in Argentina that did, like, the brand work for uh, JSConf AR. And they did, like, an entire brand treatment. Like, it's insane. Have you, have you looked at that one yet? Like, it's, it's got, like, you know, the, the, like, the ideas behind it, variations. It has, like, mocks of what it would look like to be on banners at conferences and stuff. Like,
1: it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's pretty great. I, my favorites are the Jupiter ones. Kind of playing on the you know Io as the the moon of Jupiter, and that's kind of cool too because it's like this like fork of this other big thing. I don't don't know, it's neat. Yeah, yeah. I I'm partial to the
0: the hexagon plate with the sausage and the salami as the I and the O. (laughs) (laughs) That was I I love it like that. That's because it's paleo, Michael. That's great. Yes. I, I love that. But yeah, yeah. So the, the, the plan is to like just not have an official logo and and they're all of, they're all logos and use them sort of interchangeably. And then for each release, the person who is doing that release of IOJS will pick the logo for that release. And then on the website, every release will have like its own logo. So yeah, if you want to get involved in logo thread, that's a great way to be involved. Chris, why don't you tell us about the, the stream stuff?
2: So Rod and I are actually in charge of putting together a streams team. We're going to be moving, we're basically reversing the flow of where the source of truth for the streams module is out of IOJS and into the readable stream package, which Isaac generously moved over to the IOJS org. That's all at IOJS slash readable dash stream. And it's a chance to get involved and like take ownership on a smaller like a sub-team scale, of a given module and try to move that forward and address common pain points that people have been having with streams also sort of like look towards the future of like where there's what we g streams have been released and we need to coexist or cooperate with them so it's going to be pretty exciting and there's yeah (laughs) so sorry (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> for, for for those that don't have the chat going uh
0: there there was a bit of of text about just beard noises from chris's beard and then isaac said uh just chris if you're going to be a big time podcast star you'll you'll need to shave
1: your beard
0: <laughs> you know everybody <laughs>
1: and, so, and that, that that like that put everybody off to laughing and, and everybody uh everybody has to make sacrifices for their art and for their you know I can just shave like half the beard, right? I mean, that'll just work. Just the half the microphone is on, yeah. Yeah, that, that's perfect. Asim- that's, Asymmetrical- that's called the podcaster.
2: Asymmetrical
1: <laughs> cuts are in this year.
2: <laughs> it's sort of an undercut for beards. Yeah. Um, towards the original point of the readable Stream team, Rod and I are going to act as facilitators, and hopefully it will be sort of community-owned. The idea is that we will make the changes in the readable stream repo, and then it will be sort of vendored into IOJS for the
1: future. What's really exciting about that to me is like we, you know, we the original idea of streams kind of came about in what was it, like node zero four or zero six or so. And they weren't great. And then we we gradually kind of iterated on it and pushed it into new directions and new places. And and in as much as we could, we sort of made these backwards compatible improvements, but backwards compatibility does kind of limit you. At the same time, this was actually happening in the browser land where there was a lot of things that streamed data between places there was a file api a uh, uh, web rtc has a bunch of stuff and like a bunch of these other things being developed by what working group dominic Denicola actually sort of led the charge to try and find some kind of some kind of api there was also a, a few others I, dominic's just the one that i know the best so he's the one i remember but th- there was actually a few other folks actively involved in that conversation in what working group i think where they landed was is kind of an interesting place there's sort of a an API for streams that the What working group has now that are like, well, if we had imagined that uh, <laughs> three years ago, we probably would have done it that way. In order to get to that imagining, they had to you know, look at the mistakes of Node. And so there's I- abstracting this out of the core makes it a little bit easier to kind of iterate towards and have a team of people focused on iterating towards some commonality where we can figure out like, you know, how do we have streams in Node that don't break existing Node programs but also allow us to kind of come more into, into sync with Browser.js. And that will probably take, you know, that'll probably take a year or two at least to get there. But this is sort of the first the first step in that direction.
0: Isaac, why don't you tell us a little bit
1: about Lyft? Oh, so yes, I would love to tell you about Lyft security. Basically building an application or service is you know, it's fun, but it's pretty tricky. And then you get to the point where you haven't thought about security and you release it and you get completely pwned. Security doesn't have to be painful or annoying or frustrating, and you don't have to do it alone. I love these guys. at live security. Adam Baldwin and the team there, what they really are trying to do is help guide developers towards making more secure node applications in particular, but also all kinds of applications. I mean, they know security. They do it well. They're the founders of the node security project. They already help the secure tools you use every day. They did a ton of work for GitHub to make GitHub more secure. They we love them at npm. We we throw every we have them just attack everything we build and they find all the holes in it. One core service that Lyft provides is security assessments. So what that what that is is they help you identify and prioritize the spots to improve security and mitigate risk, and then they offer recommendations and strategies for how to build more securely in the future. So they don't just look at what's wrong with your current app; they'll take in figure out where the weak points are, and then say, hey, in the future when you're building things, here's the kind of tests that you've missed. They actually do the, the, you know, the multi-stage analysis of stuff to figure out how to avoid security problems in the future. They provide online and in-person training to help you and your team kind of understand common vulnerabilities, their impact, and how to prevent them. If you're interested in, in kind of bringing this security-first mindset into your team's development process, contact the Lyft team at liftsecurity.io or Lyft Security on Twitter, and, you know, they didn't ask me to say this, but I think one of the key differences is really that Adam Baldwin and, and the team over there, they, they're different than most security research firms. They are not out to show you how smart they are or how terrible you are. They really see development and security as two parts of building a great app and making something that's really good and takes care of users in a really good way. So definitely check them out. I, I will not release anything into production without having them bang on it first.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So let's talk about the first release. So we we've got the first release of IOJS coming up. It's actually happening next week. It's going to happen on Fyodor's birthday on uh, so January thirteenth. So
1: excited! So excited! <laughs>
0: Rod is is a uh, sort of release mastering this one because it's it's really a test of the the build system maybe more than anything, and uh, he's picked a logo so we'll we'll have the logo in the show notes. Every release will get its own logo. He didn't pick any one of the wilder ones. He actually picked like a pretty simple one. That'll be fun to go with. Let's talk about like some of the stuff that's going to be in it. So I mean, first let's just talk about like the O.12 the stuff that we've been hearing about for a long time and haven't actually gotten our hands on yet because O.12 won't ship. So Chris, why don't you tell us about Streams 3?
2: I would love to. I'm actually really excited for Streams 3 to land. It is going to make debugging Streams issues a lot easier. So one of the really fun things that Streams 2 did is if it went into flowing mode, there was no way to get back to the previous mode. Streams 3 actually does a much nicer job of transitioning between flowing mode and non-flowing mode or old-style old st- streams mode. And it just it's a lot cleaner, a lot nicer, and it should be a relatively transparent change to end users. Also, there's corking and uncorking added to the writable side of the streams. So for things like TCP or HTTP, you can queue up a bunch of data and then send it all in bulk to the underlying C++ subsystem which should make things a lot faster. I'm pretty excited about that. In general like most of my most of my uh, research into streams has actually centered around streams 3 because it's a lot uh, I don't know simpler. It's a more elegant flow diagram so, state machine.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. What's interesting about streams streams 2 was we kind of had like old mode which was like this backwards compatible mode where data just kind of comes out as fast as possible and then new mode where you have to pull each thing out with a read command. And the pipe method would sort of have to determine which mode it was in in order to know what to do. The key difference between streams two and streams three is that every time you call read, it emits a data event. And it turns out that's actually all you need then to be able to just have, just say instead, like, okay, we don't have old and new mode. We just have flowing and paused mode. There is a little bit of an unfortunate concession to backwards compatibility kind of tucked away in there where it starts off in like an undefined mode, which is not flowing, but kind of will turn into flowing if you do something that indicates that you want it to be flowing. So the first data event that you add will start flowing. But at that point, you can call pause. Then you can call read a bunch of times. Then you can call resume, you know, and... All of these things will all just kind of work as, as people had expected them to. One of the big, the big snafus that kind of just made everybody say, well, you know, screw it, just put the stream in flowing mode and forget about it and deal with it like we used to, was these like, weird errors that would happen that required a lot of understanding of the internals of how streams worked. And nobody has that understanding. I, I, I wrote the code. I don't have that understanding anymore. It's like It's lost to time. So this is a, a big, big improvement. I think nobody will notice it. They'll just notice that their programs kind of work a little better and crash a little less. And the, the, yeah. the stuff that Fedora did for for cork and uncork that allows it to use the right v syst- syscall. So in HTTP in particular, you have to when you're doing HTTP chunked encoding, you send like the the two hex bits and then the two little hex characters that say how many bytes are coming. Then you send those bytes. Then you send the next two little hex bytes saying how many bytes are coming in the next chunk. Then you send those. And what ends up happening is you have this like, big array of stuff that you need to send, 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 send in rapid succession. So if you can't do write v, that means each one of those chunks, like you have the, the little hex thing with the number of bytes and then the chunk of data. And each one of those has to be a separate syscall. So we had some like, some performance enhancements and performance optimizations in there in the HTTP layer that were kind of disgusting. Like, we would see like, well, is it a string? If it's a string, we can like concatenate the little hex chunk ahead of it. So, you know, so it's only one write instead of two and that cuts it down in half, which is a pretty big deal. What's a lot nicer is just to say, well, you know, we're gonna start, we're gonna write a whole bunch of stuff. We're gonna write the headers, a bunch of chunks, a bunch of their size, size chunk headers. And let's just cork, queue up all of our writes so we have a nice big array, and then uncork, and boom, it's super easy. Yeah. So, another thing in HTTP, we had the improvements and keep alive and async wrap.
2: The other thing that went in is a change to the rival side for things that don't have write fee. Like one very common one is the, the file system write streams. The buffer, the backing buffer for these write requests, was switched out from an array to a queue, and what that actually means in practice is that if you have something that's say making a ton of small writes to disk, it won't thrash garbage collection anymore by just ripping out, throwing away arrays left and right. So this should solve a lot of problems. Problems that people have been seeing with like their log output from like Bunyan say is thrashing CPU. So that's, that's going to be a nice improvement as well. Oh, that is, that is actually fantastic. Awesome, awesome. Chris, do you want to tell us a
0: bit about async wrap? I think you probably
2: know a bit more than, than the rest of us about it. So as I understand it, it is sort of a unification of how C++ calls into JavaScript. So all the places where there were different uh, methods of getting back in, this sort of unifies all of them and sets us up for nice hooks for JavaScript to like instrument when we enter or exit and the behavior by which we enter or exit these calls.
1: That initial unification actually happened for domains, but async wrap it's it's kind of like a more minimal approach to you know how we probably should have built domains, and it's not it's not entirely focused just on error collection, but it could be kind of used for that case. It's more like just the low-level hooks for being alerted every time you call into JavaScript. And we we call into JavaScript quite a lot, so if you do almost anything with async wrap and you're not super careful, you'll completely obliterate performance. But if you are careful and you do, you know, very simple things like update a counter or, you know, do other basic stuff like that, then it, it actually allows a lot of really powerful stuff at a very low level. And I, I my I think the hope is at some time in the future this will kind of be will be able to figure out a, a nice javascript api that lets people do stuff like application tracing and long stack traces and you know better debuggability and all that kind of fun stuff
2: on that note domains is actually set to be deprecated in v100 so woo
1: Yay! like fully uh,
2: deprecated like gone or like just or, there's oh, like a deprecation warning
1: we, dude we don't remove code yeah.
2: <laughs> actually it's a new semi deprecated step so it's it's uh, listed as, this will be deprecated as soon as, as whatever the answer to that same problem is makes it into the code base. So it's it's a pre-deprecated, I guess.
1: Once there is something that presumably uses async wrap, we'll put the little util.deprecate function. So if you use domains, you'll start getting warned on the command line that you shouldn't be doing that. You should be using this other thing instead. Okay, cool. But so there's, a, um, there's like a warning in the in the docs, basically. It's not... Actually, deprecated in the code, and then once it goes through a full major release cycle of being deprecated, then we can decide whether we want to actually remove it or just leave it deprecated. And you know, chances are it'll probably just stay deprecated for a very long time. I
0: don't know. We'll see. We'll see
1: what the future holds.
2: Okay. Chris, why don't you um, tell
1: us about stuff that's coming in V eight.
2: So it looks like a lot of the ECMAScript six features are actually uh, starting to land in V eight. There's been a couple of discussion threads on this, including a uh, forked wiki page, which will, I think is going to be in the show notes, that kind of discusses what that looks like and what that means for people like that are currently using the Harmony flag. The full list of features is actually now up on the Compat table from Kangax. Again, link will be in the show notes. There's a little bit of confusion as to whether Class will be in. I think it ultimately didn't make it in because there were some issues with it on the V8 side. But one of the plans for IOJS is to roll with latest V8 whenever they uh, will try, try to upgrade more often. So that should be coming soon-ish. Overall, we do gain a lot of cool stuff, including uh, map set, weak map, and weak set. Weak map is probably actually one of my favorite APIs to be added to Node because it means that we can actually hide implementation details and not kind of like wave our hands and put underscores on things on the front of properties. So that's really exciting for me personally. And I think promises also land, if I'm not mistaken. So they will be unflagged and available for those that are into promises. I'm not sure if the, the also, present audience also Also generators is... as well. Yeah. So yeah, all sorts of new flow control things to explore and experiment with.
1: Hey, how about, uh, do you know if arrow functions are in yet? I
2: do not know. I don't think they are unflagged. Hmm. No, they do not appear to be.
1: They don't even appear to be available behind a, a flag right now. No, they're just not implemented in V8. Oh, God, I want, I want uh, arrow functions so bad. So bad I can taste it. Just I, I dot bind this is everywhere in my code, and it's terrible every time.
2: I actually was playing around with a sort of minimal for fun streams implementation and basing it off of the work in WhatVG streams. And Dominic's got a really interesting setup there with Tracer, and being able to use all the ES6 features to like build out just a simple stream spec, it's a lot of fun. And I was kind of taken sur- by surprise by like arrow functions and how natural they felt to use. Oh my and goodness, I was, I,
1: they're, they're, like, they're like what you really wish cl- uh, closures were, right? They're yeah. like what you wish callbacks were.
2: Yeah, originally I was a, a little bit leery of them in that I, I prefer named functions and hoisting and, you know, opinions with a capital O. <laughs> but yeah, just using them. They just felt natural and they, they got out of the way. And it was actually still pretty easy to read. So I was a big fan of ES6 after playing around with it. And if people yeah. are interested in doing so, there's a lot of good venues for doing so like Tracer or uh, six to five just came out as well.
1: Yeah, the the thing about error functions I found is like they're they're like they're just enough decoration to know it's a function and not anymore. You know, like you just don't have it's not as much of a, a big, verbose thing kind of cluttering up your, your face. Definitely. One other thing that we, we didn't talk about, about the, uh, the v0.12 features that are coming out in IOJS 1.0, is um, HTTP Keep Alives, which it's a, a, a feature that I actually worked on quite a bit back in uh, 2013. And it ended up being, it's one of those things where it ended up being a lot of, there was a ton of false starts in, in writing this code, and then the actual change set ended up being much, much smaller but the main improvement is if you, have a, if you have an HTTP client and you set keep alive true in the request, what that'll do is every time you make additional requests to that same server, it'll keep using the same connections. And it'll actually leave that connection open until the server kills it. The reason why it's off by default is because it can be very surprising if you're running a server and a client in a test. And it, it breaks the tests, having it on by default breaks the tests in most NPM modules and most of the node tests. Because otherwise, you know, the, now the server is responsible for closing the connection. You can't have the server die naturally, that, uh, all that kind of stuff. But if you do turn it on, it's really, really great in cases where you have, like, for example, an API server or a database. And your, your front-end client is talking to that API server. You know, every time you get a request, you make another request to the back-end API server. If you don't have those stacking up, then Node 0.10 and before won't actually use Keep Alive. So it'll open the connection, do the request, and then close the connection. And especially for TLS connections over, you know, over HTTPS, this is extremely expensive because you're doing this full TLS handshake back and forth each time. With this, you can actually just leave that connection open to your upstream database or you know, API server or whatever and keep making requests one after another and not have it be killed. So we're going to see a lot more performance in, in cases like that if you just set that keep alive flag. Uh, we're ready for plugs. So I think that oh, yeah.
0: um, you know, to have some... So NodeComp coming up again, and uh, tickets are actually on sale now. If you want to get an early bird ticket, go to NodeComp.com. But we've also got up sort of a, a reverse CFP kind of a thing where we're asking the community... What do you want to see? What are really interesting projects that you've heard about? And we're going to work that into the content this year. So rather than just have everybody be like, I wrote a library and I want to talk about it. We, we want to hear like, you know, what are the things that people using these are interested in? And you know, what are some suggestions for the conference? So you can find information about that at, at nodeconf.com and information about NodeConf Node in general. We're, we're going to do talks again this year and we're renting out the Fox Theater. It's going to be pretty awesome and,
1: and beautiful. So check it out. So I've been messing around with this thing called BigBoringSystem.com. It was created by the, uh, Edna Piranha, who is the creator of Meatspace. And it's kind of interesting. It's like Tumblr or Twitter without all the features. It's an extremely minimal place to go and write stuff in a plain text format. It's also kind of become this really interesting project for newcomers who want to learn Node and happy. And that's actually been one of the most exciting aspects of it, is that all these like fresh new young Node developers are... Sending pull requests and learning how open source works. So go check it out. It's bigboringsystem.com or it's on GitHub slash bigboringsystem slash bigboringsystem, and you can be a part of that extremely retro blogging microblogging system.
2: The things I'll plug are: I just recently helped with a node school up here in Portland for PDX Node, and we ran, amongst other workshops, we ran WebGL workshop, which is the sequel to Shader School. And Hugh Kennedy and Nicole Isenko have done a really amazing job with this. A lot of people, both people who had experienced 3D programming and people who were just new to the, the concept in, in general were pretty blown away by it. And <laughs> on a personal note, I've been working on doing some streams visualization stuff, and so I had to keep consulting it because I've forgotten pretty much everything I learned about OpenGL uh, repeatedly so that's that's always fun and also empire js just launched their 2015 website at uh and it looks like it's going to be late april so yeah those those are the things that i'd like to plug
1: these are your upcoming events they're all awesome the first is js remote conf that's going to be february 3rd through 5th and then again february 10th through 12th that will be remote so you can get to that at jsremoteconf.com also, around the same time, February 10th and 11th, there will be another Node Summit event happening in San Francisco. You can learn more about that at nodesummit.com. ForwardJS is happening on the 4th of February in San Francisco. That is forwardjs.com. You can learn more about that. Way down on the other side of the planet, from the 22nd to the 25th of May in Melbourne. You can go to CampJS, that is in Australia. And of course, as always, NodeConf will be happening June 8th and 9th. That is happening at the Fox Theater in Oakland, the historic Fox Theater. You can learn more about that at nodeconf.com. If you want to know about when we are NodeUpping, please follow NodeUp on Twitter. You can sponsor NodeUp by emailing nodeup at gmail.com. And please, if you're uh, listening to us through iTunes, please leave a review, even if it's not a great review, just something to show that you are there. We would really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much.